0: My name is uh, Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions podcast. welcome back to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach, and I'm your host. Uh, we hate to keep harping on this, but cybersecurity really has never been more important than it is right now. If you've been paying attention to security-related news, a lot of leading technology companies and government agencies like the FBI and DHS are warning of a huge increase in cyber attacks since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And when you factor in uh, all the political turmoil and security concerns about the upcoming U.S. election, it really paints a pretty bleak picture of the threat landscape. To talk about these threats is Vince Crisler, a cybersecurity expert with stints at the Department of Homeland Security and at the White House, and now he's the founder and CEO of cybersecurity software company Darkcubed. We talk about these growing concerns and steps your company can take to mitigate these threats. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that the My Tech Citizens podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe to hear weekly interviews with experts in IT, audiovisual systems, cybersecurity, cloud computing, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, and more. And now, here is Vince Chrysler. So, what kind of attacks are we seeing um, increase and, you know, what's leading to that?
1: So I, you know, I think across the board, you're seeing attacks and phishing attacks, uh, email-based malware attacks, business email compromise, ransomware attacks. Um, a lot of it I attribute to the fact that most people are working remotely now. And before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you got that strange or suspicious email, you may look to the person next to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? Now you don't have that option and you're, you're probably busy and distracted by kids and who knows what else. And so you're more likely to just click that link and cause those issues.
0: Right. Um, and, you know, are are these emails, you know, related to uh, COVID-19 or is, is that, you know, popping up in the, in the subjects?
1: Oh, you know, one of the things that I've always noticed is when it comes to phishing or email based attacks, it's always about, you know, topics of urgency, topics of interest that people are willing to click on, you know, in the past I've had a lot of success with phishing attacks that are registering for a pizza party. You know, pizza people will do anything for a pizza party. Yeah,
0: really.
1: um, and with COVID nineteen, there are there are a couple of urgencies. You know, around um, you know the changing of of uh, stats and and life. There's the politics that are going on right now that can create mm-hmm. a sense of urgency. Um, certainly, business is affected by the PPP loan process. And you know, if you if you're at kind of looking at the survival of your company with the PPP loan process, and you get an email that you're you're you know, your PPP application has been denied unless you click this link. You know, people are going to click that. People are, are right. responding to the urgency.
0: Right. Um, and so what specifically about um, remote work besides, you know, being in the office, being able to kind of run things by an IT guy or just a coworker, you know, what about remote work is... is um, kid Back. <laughs>
1: kid background noise. Um, Sorry. You know, it's a couple of things. One, you know, people have in the past considered this idea of migrating to the cloud as something that's important. Um, But they, a lot of people have put that off. And now as people are working remotely, you know, they don't have the right VPN connectivity or it's not stable. You know, they're, they're working. The the big deal for us used to be, you know, don't work from a coffee shop. Now people are working from home where their admin password is admin and somebody can, you know, basically anything that can happen. So you know, the most important thing here is that you're outside of the reach of your IT department, your security department. Most people don't have VPNs deployed properly. Most people don't have two-factor authentication and most people don't have good endpoint management strategies where they can even manage patching and updating on those devices.
0: So um, I've heard from a few other uh, cybersecurity professionals that um, there are a lot of things that the end user can do with their home router to make it more secure and, you know, segment, um, you know, their Uh, connection away from their their kids or their families Um, so what should the IT department do and you know is it up to them to secure a home network
1: so I I do not think the IT departments want to or have the capacity to secure home networks for most users you know they in the past we've had discussions about should you think about that for executives and I think now that that question is being revisited there are plenty of, uh, approaches for either VPN connectivity for an endpoint or putting a box in that, you know, you can plug your computer into a small box that then connects to a VPN. You know, the, the challenge is not just the technology to get this remote access and security in place. Um, but it's also kind of the cost and complexity of how to manage it. You know, how do you, you can't be supporting, uh, help desk issues when everybody's internet's going down across the company. And so I think IT departments are very leery about wading into the home environment, but they do need to come up with ways to have that secure connectivity. And, you know, it's a, it's a funny nuance, but you know, in the security world, there's this idea of split tunneling where you never want internet traffic to go to the corporate network and the home network at the same time, because that's just Mm -hmm. a route for bad guys well, when people are now working from home all the time, they have to print to their home printer. So how do you let them print to their home printer, you know, and how do you configure that appropriately when they're connected to the VPN that's blocking those connections? And so there, there are little gotchas in here that are creating a lot of big problems for IT. Mm.
0: Um, how much of it is training? Because I mean, I can spot a phishing email because I write about this stuff all day, every day, and I've kind of learned over you know, over the few years So how do you, do you train them, you know, um, to, to look for these things?
1: Yeah. And I, I think training is definitely important. And I, you know, where I focus on training is, you know, if you expect training to prevent bad things from happening, then you're out of luck. Um, but training for me is all about, you know, getting people, I I say the hairs to stand up on the back of their neck for somebody to say, Hey, something's not right. And I'm going to take an extra second and look at this. Mm -hmm. And that extra second can, can save your company lots of money. I mean, these, these business email compromise attacks that we're seeing that are you know 80 to hundred thousand dollars a pop out of small businesses are just devastating and it's all just because you know somebody just just responds and so you know training on the basics of those things is really important um but i would also say you know a well-crafted phishing attack is very very hard to spot i mean if if you are taking you know i can craft in about 10 to 15 minutes I can craft a, a, a phishing attack that most people won't notice, right? And it, it's no misspellings. The The domain names look similar. It's an exact copy of the website. There's even, a, there can even be a cert there. So it looks like an like a green lock connection. Yeah. So you can manage all of those things if you really want to target somebody. So it's really about just, you know, letting people know that they need to have their defenses up because they are being targeted.
0: Mm. I've always uh, wondered this. Um, why do guys like you do what they do when you can make 80 to 100 grand you know, a pop? You know what I mean? Uh,
1: for me, it's a sense of mission, <laughs> I guess. I you know, I started as an Air Force communications officer. And so uh, I have kind of that military background. right and some, yeah. spent some time at the White House and DHS. Oh, and wow. so for me, it's about trying to to do good and do the right thing. But you're right. It is pretty alluring. Like you could make a ton of money if you went to the dark yeah.
0: side. <laughs> yeah, the dark side. Uh, so what did you do at DHS and the White House, if you're allowed to tell me?
1: Yeah, I was the, I actually, when I was active duty Air Force, I was given to the White House to be the chief information security <laughs> officer. So I was responsible for protecting the unclassified networks there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that was that? during during the Bush administration and then into okay. the Obama administration.
0: Oh, wow, no way. That's, that's yeah. neat. Um, and then at,
1: then at DHS, I worked on some of the big national cybersecurity programs there. So the protecting critical infrastructure and U.S. government wow. from nation state attacks.
0: Yeah, and those are a big thing with the elections coming up, nation-state attacks. And so I've seen a few reports that those aren't just targeting political groups. It's really any company that does work with a government or a political group. Um, so how do you protect against those?
1: Yeah, and we actually have a number of clients in that space today, you know, whether it's state and local government, we're working with the Department of Defense, we're working with some political-based firms. Um and for me, it's about you know just starting to get that picture of visibility into it. One one political based firm that we're working with, you know, they're they're all working on their MacBooks remotely, and they don't have a corporate IT infrastructure. They don't have AV, but because this is just how they've always worked. And so the first step for them was we have this outpost service with Darkcube where we can we can bring them into a secure connection to a server and monitor for for bad things happening. And so that's the first thing is just getting some visibility into their network traffic, so you can get a feel as is there something going on or is there not? Um, the other thing is really, you know, it, it's, it shouldn't be a focus right now because everybody should have it in place, but they don't. But it's two-factor authentication. Like the, the getting two-factor turned on is incredibly important. Um, and then, you know, as we move into the election, social media accounts are going to be huge. You know, what would happen if the night before the election, you know, Biden's social media account posts a bunch of false information, right? Okay. People are going to see it and spread it. And that that can happen. Right. We we saw it happen with the Bitcoin thing, right? Right, yeah. And so like little things can, can significantly affect this election cycle. And it's, it, to me, it's much less about, you know, hacking and accessing information as it is affecting and influencing public opinion.
0: Mm. And that's, you know, kind of what we saw in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so
1: people are focused on... You know, I think it's important to focus on the hacking of voting machines, but you know, there's that statement that all elections are local, and so are these voting machines. So, you know, you could maybe target one county in rural Iowa, um, but to be able to affect the election at scale by hacking voting machines is really hard. But to be able to do that with right. a Twitter account is a lot easier.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I would, I would the scenario you laid out of Biden's account, I would not be surprised. No. Especially with, with this craziness in the world right now, it's nothing. With yeah, plans.
1: and and think about some of the other infrastructure that's going to be at play during this election between kind of these automated texting platforms and phone calling platforms. You know, if one of these platforms gets hacked and you know text messaging or robocalls go out with false information, you know, that's it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle.
0: Right. Right. Awesome. All right. Yeah, Vince, uh, you're a good resource. Thank you. All right. Appreciate. Thanks, Zach. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at zwcomo. Until next time.